Good morning, church. Today we're going to be continuing in our series, Watch Your Life and Your Doctrine. And we're going to find ourselves in the book of James, uh, James chapter 1. And as I was thinking about uh, this uh, message today, I was thinking about uh, people that I know that always have some kind of plan on what they are going to do next. Matter of fact, they spend so much of their time going to, to conferences and seminars, those, those conferences uh, that says, uh, uh, these are five steps for you to get uh, independently wealthy, or this is how um, you buy properties with other people's money and, and things of that nature. And, and sometimes I notice those people that do that, they never really implement all the things that they supposedly learned at those seminars. And those seminars aren't free. And they go far to get to those places and to receive that information, but information without it being actualized, information without it taking effect is of no value. It's one thing to spend your time and your energy uh, getting those type of, of um, information and knowledge and not implementing it. It's another thing to come to church, to open the Word of God, and to receive information and then not implement it in our lives. And that's what we're going to be discussing today. Uh, when we started this series, we started out with Doctrine Matters and, and just going through the Word of God uh, in one of the epistles of Timothy and, and, and learning how we have to uh, make sure that we are getting that information that we need. And then uh, we spoke about false teachers and, and, and watch out. In other words, we need to really pay attention to uh, who we allow to uh, speak into our lives and to tell us who God is. And now we're going to talk about what happens when you have that information. Is it being translated into your life and the relationship that you have uh, with God? So if you don't mind, please stand uh, with me for the reading of God's Word. Again, we're in James chapter 1, and we're going to start reading at verse 19, and um, I'm reading out of the CSB this morning. And it reads this way, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human ang anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, 
and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Father, we uh, just read this scripture and we know it is, is your word. Uh, what you want us to consider this morning. And we ask for the very thing that this text is speaking of. That we be not just hearers of the word but doers. That we would learn of your word. Which is you speaking and learn who you are. That we would learn of your word and fall in love with your word. And that it would so affect our lives, Lord, that from the inside out, we would be transformed and bear fruit. So we lay that before you this morning, saying, have your way, knowing and trusting that your word never returns to you void, but it accomplishes what you send it to do. So we have great expectation in what you're going to do in our lives this morning, by your word and by your spirit. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So when we read uh, something like this, we uh, think immediately about, hey, this is why we go to church. This is why we hear the preaching of God's word. This is why we open our Bible and read it for ourselves. But then we have to ask ourselves, are we being changed by the words that we are reading? Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's a lot of words that we hear all the time and many of them have effect on us. Uh, when the cashier tells you how much you owe when you ring something up at the grocery store, it's important information. But there's levels of important information. And if this word is able to save your soul, then we must hear it. And then we must know it. And we must put it into practice and allow it to have its effect. Hebrews 4 and 12 tells us, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. When we hear this word religion, Often we say, I don't conform to a religion, I have a relationship, but this word is here and it means something. And we have to understand what true religion is and what it is not. One of the things that we recognize is as we are out there in the world and we interact with the world, we usually can differentiate between 
Christians and non-Christians. They're not so hard to identify, but in church, we um, have a harder time identifying that because uh, sometimes uh, people look as if they are being transformed by the word, by their outward appearance, but uh, at times it's just conformity or it's just as they're sitting there. Um, some like to consider the word of God, but never actually walk it out. The mark of true faith is not the words you hear. The mark of true faith is not even the words you speak, but the mark of true faith is, is what you do. See, because it, it has to produce fruit. If the word is changing you, at some point, it has to become visible. Because if it's doing an inner work, that has to be revealed, that has to be expressed outwardly. This year, I was having um, uh, one day a, a pretty rough week, and then I noticed something that really had me overjoyed. In the morning, uh, before we start our day, my wife and I sit out on the porch and have coffee whenever the weather permits. That is our routine, and we work very diligently to get up and to spend that time. So one day I'm, I'm sitting there and I look over and I'm, I'm looking at one of, of the trees that, that I have. And some years ago, I, I planted an apple tree. And I had great expectations for this apple tree. And then I, I found out a year or two later, you just can't plant, plant one apple tree for it to bear fruit. That you have to have at least two apple trees and they have to be of different kind, so that um, they could do whatever they do within themselves to produce apples. So I bought another apple tree, and I planted it about 15 feet away. I didn't want it to be too far away because I wanted it to happen quick. And every year I've fertilized the tree, and then I'd go to YouTube and, and look up, you know, how to prune the tree. So I would prune the tree. What season do I prune the tree in? If, if it was a time where it hadn't rained for a while, I'd bring the hose over there and i water it. And I was having a rough week and I looked and I said, is that an apple? And I walked over to the tree and lo and behold, there's some apples growing on the tree. So this is the first year, year that the tree is going to produce fruit. And uh, there's actually seven apples, which is not a lot. But I'm thinking about the day when I pluck it off the tree and cut it and give Gloria half the apple. Now, we could go buy a bag of apples, and it'll be more than seven apples in the bag for $2.50. But these are apples that were produced from the tree that I've nurtured and seen come to pass. And it's a very exciting thing. And almost daily, while we're sitting on the porch, I get up. And my wife says, where are you going? I say, I'm going to look at the apples. 
I know that's kind of um, silly, but how it ties into this is um, that tree had the ability to produce those apples as it was taken care of and as it was pruned and, and fertilized and watered. And the word tells us here to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And the next line, it says, deceiving yourselves. So if you sit here, you could sit here for 20 years. If you are a hearer of the word and not a doer, you may be deceiving yourself. Reading is not doing. Talking is not doing. Hearing is not doing. Doing is doing. Receive the word. James calls God word the engrafted word, which means the implanted word, which we just read. Borrowing from the Lord's parable about the sower, where he compares God's word to seed in the human heart, is soil. And in this parable, Jesus describes four kinds of hearts. He, he describes the hard heart, which doesn't understand or receive the word, so it bears no fruit. He describes the shallow heart, which is very emotional when they first hear the word, but has no depth, so it bears no fruit. And then he describes the crowded heart that hears the word and lacks repentance and allows all the cares of the world to crowd out the word so there is no fruit. And then speaks of the heart that receives the word. And the word takes root and the word produces a harvest. And that is actually the final test that we can give ourselves, that our salvation would produce fruit. It has to. It means a changed life, just as we were singing earlier. And a changed life looks like something in terms of Christian character and us growing in that, in terms of our conduct, in terms of ministry to others, to the glory of God, that we might win souls, that we would grow in holy living, that we would share our material possessions, that we'd grow in spiritual character, in good works. And even as we worship the way we worship the Lord identifies us as those that have a heart change and that have been changed by the Lord. So when we sing those songs, it means something to us because we've experienced what it is to live life with God. All of these things are fruit. 
Again, we can read, we can talk, we can hear about the Word of God, but if we aren't changed, and if it's not seen at some point, we have to wonder, is there any fruit? And if there's no fruit, did that word take hold? You know, we um, all have had uh, times in our life when our parents or guardians have told us things. They told us what we should do. And often, we refuse to heed it. Sometimes we may have um, looked as if we were obeying what they said, but our heart condition uh, wasn't really there. And when we had opportunity, when we got a little older and had certain levels of freedom, we showed that what our parents, at least some of the things that they said to us, that we were going to do it our own way. I know that's true in my life, and I'm sure that's true in many of your lives. And what happens is one day we come to a place where we recognize, I thought they were kind of dumb, but they were right. Because we learned the hard way, hey, what they said was true. There comes a time where we have to mature. There's a parable that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 21, and starting in verse 8, he said, What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, My son, go work in the vineyard today. He answered, I don't want to. But later, he changed his mind and he went. Then a man went to the other son and said the same thing. I will, sir, he answered, but he didn't go. Which of the two did his father's will? And the people that he questioned said, well, the first one did. And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in a way of righteousness, and you didn't believe him. Tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. But you, when you saw it, didn't even change your mind then and believe him. A changed mind produces changed thoughts, with, which changes attitudes, and it changes actions. Verse 21 said, because if any of, anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. Not somebody else's face, a face he should be familiar with, his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently, that, that's a type of look, into the perfect law of freedom, the law of freedom, and perseveres in it. 
keeps doing it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, an active doer, one that obeys, who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. The word here shows a picture of the heart in the same way a mirror shows a picture of the face. And the main purpose for owning a mirror is for examination. That's what we use a mirror for, to look in it and to make yourself look clean and as neat and as nice as possible. But here we see that the person merely glanced at themselves. They did not carefully study themselves as they read the word, right? If we just went past the mirror quick, we could miss something, right? We could have sleep in our eyes or something on our face. This person, when they're looking at the mirror of the word, they didn't carefully study themselves as they read the word. Many sincere believers read a chapter of the Bible each day, but it is only a religious exercise if you fail to profit from it personally. Right? If you don't read and ponder what you've read and meditate on it through the day, what are you doing? If you read something this morning, and two hours from that time, you're asked, what, what did you read this morning? And you can't remember. Is it any benefit to you? Is it doing what the Word can do in your life? So there's a lot of people that do that. And it would bother their conscience if they didn't go through that exercise, if they didn't open up the Word, if they didn't open up that devotion and read it, and they say, oh, you know, I missed my devotion today. And uh, they go and continue with their day because whatever happened, the alarm clock went off late. It should bother your conscience more that you're not reading the Word of God carefully. Because just to read it casually and keep moving on would never reveal our deepest needs. It's, it's the difference between taking a selfie and having an x-ray done, right? An x-ray will show you deep inside what's going on, and that's important. Imagine you went to the doctor and you weren't feeling well, and he just put his arm around you and took a selfie and said, you look fine to me. If we just casually read the word and don't ponder what it says and don't pray on the thing that we're reading, we're making a mistake. The second thing that we see here is not only did they take a casual look, but they forgot what they saw. They looked deeply enough into their hearts and allowed the word to do what it does. Be unforgettable. 
right? There are times we read the Word, just like what we said, uh, it says in the Word about it being like a double-edged sword, that it cuts, that it reveals, or that we would be overjoyed about a, a Word in the Bible that speaks to us about who God is and how much He loves us. Those aren't things that should be easily forgotten. It says here that that word is implanted. But it's not only that we look at the word, it's also how uh, we receive the word. It says, humbly receive the word. The word of God um, will not work in our lives if we don't receive it the right way. Jesus not only said, take heed that you hear, he also said, take heed how you hear. We have to be active listeners. Too many people are in that tragic condition. Hearing, like Jesus said, they hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. They attend Bible studies and church services, but you never see growth in their life. Is that the fault of the preacher or the teacher? Maybe. Perhaps. But could it be the fault of the hearer? And is it possible that they're dull of hearing because of the decay in their spiritual life? If the seed of the word is to be planted in our hearts, then we have to Obey its instruction. We need to be swift to hear. We need to be swift not only to hear, but we need to be willing to hear the full counsel of God. So often we go on these sound bites and snippets and we hear what we want to hear. We take things out of context and then we call it the word of God. We need the full counsel of God. What we receive in God's word and what we choose to reject in God's word matters. The attitude in which we receive matters. Is it the doctor, to, is it for the doctor to ask the patient what kind of medicine do you want me to subscribe to you? Why bother go to the doctor? Often we do that. The word is there to examine us. The word is there to wash us. And the word is there to transform us. Again, reading is not doing. Talking is not doing. Hearing is not doing. Doing is doing. So, there is a reason we feed on the Word of God, because we desire to be transformed. We desire to hear the words of the Lord. This is God speaking. I want to know Him. And not only does He promise that we would know Him, but the Word would change us to be like Him, to be like His Son. That is an amazing thing, helping us to navigate through this life. 
The text tells us that pure and undefiled religion before God, the Father, is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The word religion here means outward practice. It's not speaking about ceremony. It is speaking about practicing the Word of God through our speech, through our service, and through separation from the world. In James chapter 2, starting at verse 40, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? It's not that we are saved by works. We know that we are saved by grace and grace alone. But it is an indication whether it's real. It has to bear fruit. It goes on to say, if a brother or a sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. Remember what we read, to be doers of the word and not hearers, of the, uh, hearers only deceiving yourself. These are things that we would think about in our own lives, because no one can look from the outside in. But we also know that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who could know it? But God knows your heart. And when we are God's people, it needs to look like something. The text goes on to say, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, that God is one? Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person. Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by his works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with works, and by works faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by her works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Jesus said to them all, 
If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet you loses or forfeits himself? So when we speak about this, what we have to recognize is there is a reason God has saved us. He saved us because he loves us, and he saved us by grace and grace alone. But we are called to be God's ambassadors. We are called God's children. We are God's heirs, and we have been blessed. We've received the Holy Spirit. He's opened our eyes. We were blind. We were enemies of God, and now as his children, who possess the Holy Spirit, who can open up his word and see. Blind people cannot see. That looks like something. There, there is something that happens on the inside, and as that thing on the inside grows and grows and grows, there's an outward expression of that. And I fear that some come to church every week, that some read their words and go through these religious exercises and are deceiving themselves. Many people from different walks of life sit in church every week. Some are saved and some are not. Some know that they're not saved and others believe that they are, there's coming a time where there's going to be a separation, the wheat from the tear. We separate on a lot of things. These passages help us determine where we are. Are we hearers only? Are you nominally, nominally following the faith, sitting in the crowd, hearing the words of Christ and not heeding them? Jesus often said, let him who has ears to hear, hear. One day God will give his angels tasks the Bible tells us separating the wheat from the tares. But until that time, do you know that the angels can't even distinguish who will be saved? Because that is for God to know. They don't know who's going to be saved from the wrath of God. But I ask you to inspect your own heart to see if you are in the faith. No one can judge you from the outside. The Bible tells us that because we look from the outside, but God judges from the heart. But since the only other person that's on the inside is you, need to Inspect that for 
yourself and ask yourself the question, am I on the Lord's side? There's going to be um, a divide. There's going to be a great divide. The goats are going to be on one side and the sheep are going to be on the other. The wheat is going to be on one side and the tares are going to be thrown into the fire. It's going to be one side with sinners and one side with saints. Who are saints? Those that have accepted the free gift of salvation. When that divide comes, it's where you spend eternity no more chances. It's over. I'm going to have to answer to the free gift that was offered. So many just choose to keep living life, sitting there, hearing about the Lord, being around the Lord's people, considering themselves good, thinking it'll all work out in the end. It's not what the Word of God says. It's not what it says at all. There's going to be a great divide. Some are going to spend eternity rejoicing in the presence of the Lord, having things that we can't even comprehend what we're going to experience. And others are going to live in the torment of hell for eternity. Some are sitting here planning at some point to give a little bit of themselves to Jesus at some time. There's no time like today. We need to cry out, God, change me. Save me. Do a work in me from the inside out. Because me being in the company of your people, me even opening your word and it not penetrating my heart, me living for myself, even though you've told us to die to ourselves, that's where we're going to find life. We've got to cry out to him. My actions prove what I believe. My actions prove what I believe. Your actions prove what you believe. Not what you hear. Not what you say. What are you doing? Where's your heart? You may think you have all the time in the world. It's my words, it's my deeds, it's my motivations, it's my dealings that show me how I view God, that allow me to know Am I on the Lord's side? 
because either you're on his side or you're against him. You will not be able to stand in his presence on your own merit. Jesus would not have had to come into his creation and die on the cross if there was any other way. There is no other way. And some of us are just scraping by. We are saved. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. But are making willful decisions to have Jesus sit in the passenger seat. He gave all for you. He laid down his life for you so that you can live. And it's for us to live for him. Worship team, would you come up, please? Are you hearers or are you doers of the word? We are saved by grace and grace alone. But we're saved onto good works. A saved person thinks a certain way, acts a certain way, does certain things. Not void of struggles, not void of sin, but that is not the pattern of their life. That is not everyday selfishness for me. Matter of fact, when we fall into temptation, when we sin, when we make a mistake, which we all do every day, something happens on the inside that verifies. No, God is with me because you're convicted. The Holy Spirit Let you know it's not how a child of God behaves. We were singing about being free. It is because we no longer are slaves to sin. Yeah, we mess up. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, gives back up. A righteous man gets back up and runs into the arms of the Lord pattern of our life needs to be I'm not reading this word I'm not coming to church I'm not in the company of the saints for any other reason then I gotta know you God I want to serve you God I love you God we're all in different places with that some not knowing him, and maybe this day he did something in your heart. Some being disobedient. Some just having him as a co-pilot. And then there's others that are pouring themselves out like a drink offering. We want to grow in grace. I'm going to ask the leaders to come. I'm going to ask the ushers to come in the middle aisle. We want to pray. We want the leaders to lay hands on you, to pray with you as you consider these things. Don't miss an opportunity to say this is the day when no longer will I be a hearer only but a doer. If you want to be prayed for, please line up in the middle aisle. 
bring your petitions to the Lord. We want to grow. We want a burning desire to know God better than we did yesterday. We don't want in any way to be selfish living for ourselves. Please come. As Brittany prays a song, we're going to pray.